You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. I invite you now to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The sermon this afternoon, or the text for the sermon this afternoon is Ephesians 6, the verses 23 and 24. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ 
with an undying love. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, our text of this afternoon is is considered one of the most beautiful and full benedictions in Paul's letters. Now, a benediction is a blessing. It is something that that is spoken from heaven to earth, from God to us. Now, in the Old Testament, these blessings were spoken by God's authorized representatives. They were spoken by the patriarchs, the priests, and other leaders of God's people. Now, in the New Testament, these authorized representatives were the apostles, and they also spoke these blessings to God's people. And today we we receive these blessings still, every Sunday. It's a beautiful thing that happens when the minister pronounces these words off the pulpit. And so we must keep in mind that our text of this afternoon is not just teaching. It has a function. It has a function in the letter just as it has a function in the worship service. It is a blessing that we need. It's a blessing we need every day, every week. This blessing is a a beacon of light in a world that has been darkened by the curse of sin, by the curse of the fall, and even our own sin, and our own frailty, and our own knowledge of our inability to do anything pleasing to God. In the midst of all of this, we have our text. We have this benediction that is laid on us. It is ours. And we can go forward with this blessing, with the full assurance that it is ours, and that the promises of the blessing belong to us. Now, our text of this morning is is unique. It is really two blessings. And both these blessings are, are blessings that the Apostle Paul used in some way or form in all of his letters. However, they have both been modified in our text and then put together as one. So our focus this morning needs to be on what the benediction means, particularly here in our text at the end of the letter to the Ephesians. But we will also have to balance this with what Paul meant by the other benedictions that he gave. Now the letter to the, to the Ephesians was likely written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison in Rome, probably around 60, 62 AD. It was likely a a more general letter that circulated around to the churches in the area around Ephesus. Ephesus was a city of close to 250,000 people, a quarter million. And Paul had done much work, spent much time there in Ephesus, and there were likely a number of house churches, house congregations in the city. And so Paul was moved by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to largely Gentile Christians, telling them, of who they were in Christ, but also in God's redemptive purposes. 
It's a beautiful letter that speaks to the Ephesians of who they are in Christ and who they are called to be in Christ. It's a beautiful letter that speaks of reconciliation to God through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the words of our text echo what is said in the letter. And it picks up on on major themes that are found throughout. And while our text is in many respects the standard way Paul closed off his letters, at the same time, each word resonates with meaning and gospel and would have left the message of the letter of Ephesians re-ringing in the ears of the church as the last word was read. And so I bring you the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ as we have it here in the benediction of Ephesians 6 under the following theme. A double blessing is laid on the Ephesians that resonates with the gospel of reconciliation with God through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will consider three things. In the first place, we will consider the rich content of the blessing. And then we will consider the centrality of God to the blessing. And then finally, we will consider the reconciled and respondent recipients of the blessing. So in the first place then, the rich content of the blessing. Now there are four words which jump out of our text, especially if you read through the whole book of Ephesians in one sitting. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Peace, love, faith, and grace. These these four words essentially comprise the content of what is given to us in the blessing. And they are also words that loom large within the book, the letter to the Ephesians. And when they are taken together, they, they actually form a beautiful summary of the letter. So the content of the blessing grabs our attention right from the start. Now our text begins with the word peace. And this is somewhat unusual. Usually grace would come first in this type of benediction. But peace has been given a place of prominence in the benediction. Our attention is called to peace by this prominent placement. Now, there is a sense to the word peace that communicates a sort of uh, inner peace, a sense of personal well-being that comes from God. For instance, Philippians 4 speaks this way when it talks about the peace of God that rests upon us. However, the word here in our text at the end of Ephesians has more the sense of of a reality that has happened outside of us and which impacts us. It has more the sense of, of an end to or the absence of hostility. 
Now, the word also has an Old Testament background to it. The Hebrew word, is, as many know, is shalom. And in the Old Testament, shalom communicated the idea of, of wellness, or wholeness, or completeness, but also of safety, personal safety, and even deliverance. The high priestly blessing of number 6, 24 to 26, which we hear every Sunday again. This was a blessing that was made in the context of the temple worship service. And this blessing comes to mind here in the use of peace. can be seen here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And in the Old Testament, we also read about peace offerings. In the NIV, called fellowship offerings. And these were sacrifices that spoke to the removal of obstacles between God's people and God. They spoke to the restoration of fellowship and communion with God. So in the Old Testament, we find peace with God on the basis of and in the context of sacrifices. Now Paul speaks the same way in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2 verse 3, he speaks about us being objects of God's wrath, meaning that we were opposed to God. We were objects of his anger. That is our status outside of Christ. Something we need to come to grips with. Outside of Christ, we are at war with God. We are hostile to God, and God is hostile to us. But the beauty of the gospel is that hostility, that alienation from God has been removed. It has been removed by the ultimate sacrifice and saving work of Christ. We have been made right. We have been given peace with God. Christ has has brought us near to God through his blood. He has become, as we read in Ephesians 2, verse 14, he has become our peace. Now, this peace also has another sense to it here in our text. And this is also a peace that comes from God, which means peace within the covenant people, the new covenant people, the church. Throughout Ephesians, it is this double sense of peace that is being expressed. In Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 18, Paul speaks about the peace that has come about through the blood of Christ, whereby the old covenant people, the Jews have been made into one covenant people with the Gentiles. The two have become one man. Through Christ's work is how they have become one. So in our text, Paul speaks about a double peace that forms the new people of God, which comes from God, and which brings that new people into a renewed fellowship with God. 
That is peace. Now, to peace is joined love with faith. Now, the primary idea here in our text, as in the letter, is that of God's love for us. Love here means seeking the good and benefit of the one being loved. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ love us. The words of Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 come to mind here. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even while we were dead in our transgressions. Are the words of that prayer in Ephesians 3, verse 18, where Paul prays that his readers may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We are beloved of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. However, notice that it is not simply love, though. It is love with faith. Now, throughout the letter, Paul has been emphasizing the role of our faith, the faith that we have. You can see that in Ephesians 1, verse 15, 2, verse 8, and also 6, verse 16. Faith is believing and trusting in God. It is being sure and confident of God's promises. What comes from heaven, from God, with love, is the gift of our faith. The gift that grants us access to this God who loves us and who has given us peace. Faith is that shield that has been given to us. Ephesians 6.16 it is, it is part of that armor of God which is given to us as we do battle in this dark world. It's that armor with which we can be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So what a, what a wonder. Undeserved love that comes to us, seeks us out, and then brings us into a right standing with God and which holds us there. We surely are beloved. Now, while peace and love with faith are grouped together, grace stands, as, as one person has put it, in majestic isolation. In the second benediction, in the second blessing, there is one thing that is mentioned as coming to the readers, and that is grace. Now, Paul, in all his letters, opens and or closes them with the word grace. Now, it was actually very similar in sound and in spelling to the Greek word that was normally used to open and close everyday letters. Rejoice. The one is charis, the other is karain. In fact, there are greetings in the New Testament that use this word. For instance, James uses it in James 1 verse 1. And also, in Acts 15, the letter from the apostles uses the same. 
So what Paul did is he took the normal Greek usage and then he adapted it. He played with it. He filled it up with the gospel and he used it in all of his letters. Now the word grace means undeserved favor. And in the letter of Ephesians, this this undeserved favor, this grace extends over everything. Grace begins before time. We're told that the love of God that was expressed for us before the creation of the world in giving us peace with Christ through the work of Christ is to the praise of His glorious grace. Ephesians 1.6 In Ephesians 2.5 and 2.8 we're told that it is by grace you have been saved. There is nothing that we can do or add for our salvation, for our peace. It is all by the grace of God. However, Paul not only transformed the usual greeting by using the word grace instead of rejoice, he transformed the understanding of grace. Now, in the culture of the day, grace was understood as as something that someone did in relation to benefactors or patrons, be they rich citizens or, or even the gods. It was a reciprocal relationship. A patron, a wealthy person, would do something for someone, and then that someone was expected to respond with the appropriate response. But the Holy Spirit takes this word, takes this concept, and completely turns it on its head. When it comes to salvation, God does it all. God has graciously given us peace through the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ because of His great love for us. That is grace. Now, according to the logic of the day, That would mean we would have to pay him back with an appropriate action or response. That is, we would need to respond in faith or by love or by good works. However, this is what is so incredible about grace. Our ability to repay God for the grace he has shown comes from God himself. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is all of grace. There is no ability to repay. There is no boasting. It is all God's work. He brings us into a right standing with God and He keeps us there. God comes to us in His grace. We don't deserve it at all. And He stoops down and He pours out His love on us and He gives us faith and He affects the peace, the reconciliation that we have with Him. It is certainly a gift of grace that we have from the Father. Now, the rich content of this this blessing is indeed breathtaking. But their beauty 
and brightness are intensified infinitely when we consider the source of the blessing more closely. And that brings us to our second point, the centrality of God to the blessing. Now, we have been looking at the content of the blessing and attempting to to hold it up for a closer examination while trying to hold off taking a closer look at the source of the blessing. But we can do no do so no longer. And in a way that the source and the content of the blessing are, are completely wrapped up in each other. The persons and, and works of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ come bursting through as we consider the content. And they will come bursting through as we consider the recipients. But here, in our second point, we will we'll try to focus a little more closely on God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in the blessing. Now the phrase, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which we find in verse 23 of our text, is a rich phrase in the New Testament. It is often used by Paul to speak of the source of grace and peace. Now here in our text, it is the source of peace and love with faith. Now, there are two aspects about how God is described here in this phrase that impact the very essence of the blessing. Now, the first is is the redemptive aspect or the redemptive side that is expressed by the phrase, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the letter of Ephesians, the persons of God the Father and God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, are, are held together yet distinct as the fountainhead and source of salvation. Whenever God is mentioned as Father in Ephesians, and that's eight times, the Son is somewhere in view. Now, in the Old Testament, God was rarely called Father. He was indeed Father in the Old Testament. But it is really in the New Testament that we see God more fully revealed as Father. It is for the sake of Christ that He has become our Father. Those who are connected to the Son, the ones loving the Lord Jesus Christ, the ones who put their faith in Christ, those are the ones who have God as Father. As Ephesians 2 verse 18 puts it, we have access to the Father through the Son. And in the Son, to use the words of Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, in the Son, God is more fully revealed to us. It is surely in our Lord Jesus Christ that the love and grace and peace which come from God receive their fullest expression. All of redemption centers on Christ. And it is for this reason that we adore Him. And it is for this reason that God has exalted Him and placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for us. 
for the church. And it is in that position as head of the church, ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father, that our Lord Jesus Christ, together with God the Father, pours out his gifts on his people and speaks this blessing to us. Now there is a second aspect to this phrase, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the functional aspect. What it does in the blessing. Now here we come back to the nature of a blessing. It is spoken from God to us. The Apostle Paul, as we noted earlier, is an authorized representative of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That is, he is sent from God to speak this blessing authoritatively in the name of the Father and the Son. Now some have argued that this is is a wish or a prayer from Paul for us. However, this is not simply a wish or a prayer. One of the standard goodbyes for a letter in Paul's time was, be strong. And indeed, this was a wish from one man to another. However, here in our text, it is something that comes from God to men, spoken by his authorized representative. With God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ as the source of the blessing, the grace, peace, and love with faith are certain. They are declarative. They do what they say. God's people surely and certainly receive the content of this blessing. Even while we live in this this dark world, even as we live with the reality of, of sin and our own sin, with the reality of our weaknesses and our inability to do anything pleasing to God, even in the midst of all of this, we can know that the source of the blessing guarantees the content of the blessing. We can be confident that the blessing comes to us, God's people. So consider the dazzling brilliance of the light of this blessing as we now turn to focus on the blessed recipients. And that brings us to our final point, the reconciled and respondent recipients of the blessing. Now, that this blessing could come to anyone is quite something. It is incredible that God has chosen a people from before time began and that they may receive this blessing. It is grace upon grace. And the way the recipients of this rich blessing from God are described, has a number of aspects to it that resonate with the gospel and with the message of the letter to the Ephesians. To begin with, we have two, the brothers. Now we should note here that often when the New Testament writers use the word brothers, it included the sisters. 
And this is what we have here in our text. Both men and women are being addressed. Now, at first glance, it may seem quite ordinary that the word brothers is used. But it is actually quite remarkable. It is rare for the word brothers to be used in a salutation or benediction. The usual word is you. So what we have here is an unexpected word paired with another word, peace, which is in an unexpected place. There is something being said here, something that that draws our attention to it. Now, it was common for Jews to call other Jews brothers, but it was not acceptable for Jews to call Gentile converts brothers. They were a, a separate group, a side community that was, that was connected to the people of God. You can think here of Cornelius or Lydda. And this had crept into the church as well. And Paul is expressly saying here that peace comes to the Gentile and Jew alike. All have been brought near through the blood of Christ. There is no distinction. Grace comes to all who are loving our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. There is no distinction. They are all brothers. Now, brothers and sisters, there is something else that is beautiful here in our benediction in our being called brothers. God speaks this blessing to us in family terms. Throughout the book of Ephesians, the language of family looms large. There are references to the family of God, 3 verse 15, or the household of God, 2 verse 19. In chapter 1, we are, we are called adopted sons, and God is called our Father. Now, much of the letter deals with the beauty of the fact that the Gentiles, we, us, have been now included in the family of God. But there is great beauty in the knowledge that we are a body of believers that share the bond of family. It is relational. We have a relationship with our Father through Christ. And we have a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. We love Him. And we have a relationship with each other. There is a calling here to live in that relationship. To live as brothers, to live as sons. There is a call to live in peace. Live in the peace that we have with God the Father through the work of Christ. And the peace that we have with each other that has also come to us by the work of Christ. Now the phrase, to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, in verse 24 of our text, that phrase is a unique phrase as well. Literally what it says, if you translate it word for word, grace 
with all the ones loving the Lord of us, Jesus Christ, imperishably. The recipients of the blessing of grace are, are identified as those who are loving our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And there are a number of things that are remarkable here. In the first benediction, it was the love of God that came from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ with faith to the brothers, to us. But there is a shift here in the second blessing, in the second benediction. Now it is grace to those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. The love here is is now our love for God, for Christ. With God's love came, came the gift of faith. And through that gift, the recipients look in love to Christ and receive grace. The two, the two blessings form a beautiful unity, brothers and sisters. Love has come from God and now it goes back to Him. God, so to speak, sounds His love to us. And we, through the Holy Spirit, resound that love back to Him. Indeed, grace is to those who are loving our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love with which they resound is extraordinary. It is called an undying love. The word used here is the same word that is translated as imperishable in 1 Corinthians 15. It is a word that is connected with the resurrection life. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, speaks of our earthly bodies as being perishable, but they will be raised imperishable. The love that we have for Christ, the love that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, is a love that belongs to the other side of the grave. It is a love that, so to speak, reaches in to the next life and which looks in faith to Christ. It is a foretaste of that love that will be consummated at the resurrection when we participate in the great wedding feast of our husband of Christ who loves us and laid down his life for us. Brothers, Sisters, this rich blessing is yours. It belongs to you. But it is not a blessing that you simply receive because you've heard it. There is a call here in the blessing to appropriate, to resound the blessing, to exercise the faith given you by God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ to respond through the Holy Spirit to that love that has come to you from God, to give thanks for the peace and grace that has come to you. There is a call to say your amen to the blessing, to say, yes, it is true and certain. God has given us all things in Christ. Praise be to God 
for what he has done for us and in us. Here again, the words of the benediction. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.